2: Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it is a great Father's Day gift. Grip6 has a special offer for you at Grip6.com/slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E.
0: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
2: Hey, how is it going? Welcome to episode number 530 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, June 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. RaptorsHQ.com, you can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, subscribe to the show at LockedOnRaptors on iTunes, Citrus Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya as well, brand new podcast app you to check out, it's great for curating your own playlists, it's great for following creators, it's, you get suggestions for new podcasts to listen to, it's fantastic, and it's free in the App Store or Google Play Store, so make sure you check out Himalaya. Alright, you know what we're here for, the Raptors are one win away from an NBA championship. I know! It's crazy. They won last night in Oracle Arena to go undefeated, perhaps, all season long in Oracle Arena. I guess there's still a chance they could go back there, but man, it's not looking good for the Warriors right now. 105-92, the Raptors win, and uh, apologies for my lack of voice. I was at a bar last night watching the game, and it was absolutely bananas. It was so awesome, and just like, (sighs) the city is something else right now. It's just remarkable. I can't even really put words to it. It's just, it's so, so fun. The energy is so palpable everywhere you look, before the game, after the game, during the game, obviously. Just so special what's going on right now. Everyone should be savoring this as much as they possibly can. The Raptors are up 3-1 in the NBA Finals, and uh, what a performance last night in Golden State, holding the Warriors to 92 points. 92 points for the Golden State Warriors at home. It's outstanding. It was unbelievable. The, the defensive performance the Raptors put in last night, holding the Warriors to less than 25 points in every single quarter, that's insane. Holding the non-Curry like Curry and Thompson dudes on the team to pretty much across the board horrible nights, that was essential because you know Klay Thompson in particular was fantastic. Didn't think he was going to play or didn't think he'd be effective. He played 42 minutes, so credit to Klay Thompson for, for doing that. He had 28 points. He was 11 of 18, 6 of 10 from 3. It was just a really, really fantastic performance. The only two Warriors, though, to hit threes were Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. And honestly, those two combining for 40 shots on a night where not much was working for them, like, I think that spoke to exactly how the Raptors approached those guys. They were not giving them any space. Steph had a really rough night shooting. He was two of nine from deep. Um, And I think the Raptors did a really good job of sort of goading the Warriors into having their other guys have to do stuff. And... They did a really good job of it, and like it, it just the defense. The defense has been like so consistently awesome that it just like it feels almost just like you should accept it now and just sort of anticipate that they're going to shut teams down. But it still is kind of startling when it's the Warriors and it's Clay and Steph and Draymond, even without Kevin Durant. Which God, we'll get to that, I suppose. But like even without Kevin Durant, like this is a team you shouldn't be able to slow down easily. Steph's gravity makes everything a decision, everything. You're, you're sacrificing something at all times on the court when Steph is out there, and the Raptors have done a really good job of negotiating that balance, and their defense was swarming, they forced turnovers, 17 turnovers last night uh, for the Warriors, 12 steals by the Raptors, they're just, they're, they're hawking, they're, they're just like swarming the ball, and coming away with it so, so often, and... On the other side, I mean, it's I guess we can start with Kawhi. Like holy shit, Kawhi Leonard, 36 points for him, 12 boards, 11 of 22 from the field, 5 of 9 from deep, 9 of 9 from the line. Like what can we, zero turnovers. Like what what else can you say about this dude? It's <sighs> Kawhi Leonard plays for the Raptors. It's crazy. Um, you have four steals as well, had a block. Just I thought the Raptors did a really good job with Kawhi last night. We've talked a lot about how they're kind of inviting a lot of trouble when they run all this high pick and roll with Kawhi and Gasol or whoever else is the big out there, um, because it you know it's roping in a, a Draymond to potentially cause havoc. He can you know really really make it difficult on a guy to find the the, the seam to move the ball along when you see a trap at the top of the pick and roll. And so what the Raptors, I thought, did a really good job of last night was just say, all right, we just won't run that much Kawhi Gasol pick and roll. And it worked really well. Gasol, I think, kind of maybe was not so much a benefactor of it. It wasn't his best game. Uh, just three of eight for him and only one of four for deep. And He didn't really get all those open threes that you typically tend to see when they run that high pick and pop with him and, and Leonard or him and Lowry. But I think the trade-off was that they weren't inviting extra defenders to cause havoc with Kawhi. And, you know, he didn't rack up the assists. And I think that's also a byproduct of not um, seeing a lot of extra attention because his assists usually come out of sort of those dire straight situations. This was just a lot of ISO and a lot of like, OK, Alfonso McKinney's on me. I'm just going to you know, we're going to clear out and I'm just going to go to work against Alfonso McKinney or Andre Iguodala or Sean Livingston. And I also thought Kawhi did a fantastic job of just, like, pulling up really quickly in transition. You know, there was a couple threes. Obviously, the big ones came at the start of the third quarter. The Raptors are down, I believe, by five going into the third quarter. It's 48-43, I'm pretty sure, was the score after two. Um, So they go in, and, like, Kawhi just, like, Decides he's going to win the game. I guess that's the best way to put it. Like, he just like he has a, a three right off the top, uh, an isolation three he cans, and then he goes down, steals it away from Draymond Green, quickly fires in transition over Green, and boom, like the Raptors are in the lead. And it's like, oh, okay, Th- this is happening, I suppose. And I thought, again, all night long, it was just a really good job. There's a reason that there were zero turnovers on Kawhi's part. There was a reason he only had two assists. It, it's just they were like, okay, Kawhi's the best dude in this series no one can really guard him right now because like i guess draymond could do it one on one but then you're you're sacrificing other things if you're the warriors having draymond with such a sort of task ta- taxing on ball assignment um then you're not having draymond green do draymond green things on defense and they like they like I think the Raptors are just like okay like we trust Kawhi to just go to work on whoever's guarding him. He looked spry last night. He didn't look he like he was hampered or anything like that. So credit to I guess the medical staff for getting him ready to go and credit to him for the rehab and all that stuff. But um, just the it was so obvious they were just like yeah like no one can guard this dude. Go just do your thing and then all the other offense will sort of flow out of that. And then we'll run high pick and roll with our point guards and we'll sort of have the varied attack that way. And it wasn't sort of the same thing we've seen a lot with Kawhi when he does go iso heavy where it's, he dribbles for 15 seconds before putting a shot up. It was really, really quick fire stuff and love to see it. You love, love to see it. He was so, so unbelievable. He's going to win finals MVP if the Raptors end up holding on here. Um, And it's deserved because he's ridiculous. Even in his bad games, quote unquote bad games, he like walks into 30 points. He's... So, so special, and it's r- ridiculous and unfathomable that he plays for the Raptors. Still, one game away, potentially, from the end of the season, and it
0: still defies logic and defies the imagination. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat, led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: Uh, Also for the Raptors, I thought Kyle Lowry. 10 points, uh, 2 rebounds, 7 assists, and 3 steals. Just 3-12 of shooting, didn't hit a single three. One of the best 10-2-7 on 3 of 12 shooting games you'll ever see. Just completely dictated the pace of the game. Like I said, when they sort of changed up the offense a little bit and they went away from Kawhi for possessions, Kyle would run high pick and roll with Gasol or Serge Ibaka, who was absolutely brilliant in this game. And it, it just you can you have that sort of yin and yang of the offense, and there's so little in the way of like ways to to guard it because they just can kind of come at you from all different angles in all different types of ways. Um, and then when they were doing that, when the point guards are running stuff, they were running a lot of stuff for Kawhi off the ball, which was excellent. Um, there was a early on, I think he missed this three early on in the game, but he sort of uh, they ran a little off ball like side action with with Kyle up top, and then Kawhi popped open for a three on the right wing um and yeah he missed that but like there were a couple other examples I think Kawhi had like a baseline sort of mid-range jumper because they ran a little down screen for him on the baseline he popped open you know 18 feet Fred found him when he was driving and it was just like yeah this is beautiful and this is a way to get Kawhi Leonard free when there's so much attention being paid to him and it was just really really great to see the adjustments that they made on offense to get him so free and I'm not sure how the Warriors adjust to that right like do you throw Draymond Green just on Kawhi nonstop and just have him be his primary guard like you can do that but like we've said like there's just nothing to back him up and if Kawhi can manage to work that 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 one-on-one matchup which you know he's worked every other one-on-one matchup he's been in what who's to say he couldn't at least get something out of that against Draymond you're you're you know getting into the teeth of a Warriors defense that doesn't have Draymond Green back there mopping up all the problems that that's created by that so I don't know where the Warriors go from there. With there, go from there with that. And it's you know it's an unfortunate situation for Golden State. Like Kevin Durant not being available, it's like I, again Raptors fans I'm sure aren't complaining, and I certainly am enjoying the Raptors work in this series. And it's obviously a lot easier without having to account for Kevin Durant on offense, and he's like probably the best potential guard for Kawhi as well, and you know maintains the structure and integrity of everything else they do when he's out there, but like. It's it's really tough sledding for the Warriors right now. I think the Raptors just are – I think maybe coming into the series there was sort of an impression that the Raptors, even though KD was out, were the less talented or less good team. I don't think that's true. I think the Raptors are just the better team. And that is unbelievable how it's transpired and how it's sort of become that. But, like – it's kind of undeniable an at this point. They have seven or eight very good players. You know, Norm Powell didn't play a ton last night, uh, didn't really do much, only took one shot and missed it, but, like, I-, I think having Norm Powell be your eighth man, that's a real step up from, like, Quinn Cook being your fourth or fifth man. Like, that is... It's... You can't be relying on Sean Livingston at this, at this point in his career to do anything. He had a couple mid-range jumpers, classic Sean Livingston mid-range jumpers last night, and that was it. He had nothing else going for him. And... I just don't know where they turn. I don't know if it's like, okay, you get more Jordan Bell in there or Jonas Jarebko. Like, it's just, you, you. there's nothing left for the Warriors to turn to. And the Raptors have kind of really put a lot of strain on them and are forcing guys to play heavy minutes. And, and like, again, credit to Clay Thompson for playing 42 minutes last night. Uh, Igodala playing 38 minutes on whatever he's got going on. I can't have been good. He was one of six. The only bucket he made was a dunk in transition. Like, it's looking really good right now for the Raptors. DeMarcus Cousins is unplayable, it seems. Like, he just was dreadful last night. Every single time he's out there, they're bringing up Gasol to set a screen for Lowry, and then Lowry's sort of putting Cousins on his back heel, and then they're, you know, just just unleashing death by drive and kick and swing. And just uh, that happened, I think, pretty early on in the first quarter when Kyle drove, and then they kicked it out to Danny Green, and then Danny down to the Kawhi in the corner for a 3 just unbelievable. And by the way, the first quarter was some of the most stressful shit I've ever experienced in my life. The Raptors just, like, could not get anything to go. I believe they were 1 of 13 non-Kawhi division from the field when Kawhi went 5 of 8 or 5 of 7 in the first quarter. Um, and, like, Kawhi, man, there were so many times in this game where Kawhi just, like, took it into the palm of his hand and was like, Nope, this is uh, this is my game. The first time was in that first quarter. The Raptors, I think, were down 23 to 12 or 25-12. Near the end of the first quarter, the final minute, Kawhi comes down. I believe he hit a three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then they go back the other way, get a stop, and he comes back down. And, oh, he, he, I think he had a two. And then he comes, gets a stop, gets the rebound, goes back down, hits a three, and then all of a sudden it's 25-17 after one or 23-17 after they took off a bucket from Steph Curry on a shot clock violation that they reviewed. And it's like, all right, th- this is very much a game. They're, they're within reach here, and they're in touching distance, and they were one of 13 from the field in the first quarter, non-Kawhi division. Like, that is really encouraging. And... You know, things kind of stabilized from there. Not, you know, the shooting was bad pretty much all night. It wasn't like an amazing, you know, performance performance from deep for the Raptors. They only attempted 32 threes, which is kind of unlike them in these games where I think they've been trying to really sort of amp up their volume from deep, but... You know, that Kawhi hit five of them. That's going to, you'll be happy with that. Danny Green was 0 of 6 until he hit that big one late to put them up 91 76 in the fourth quarter. And you'll take that clutch, timely three from Danny Green in exchange for a bunch of misses, considering how he's played so far in the series. And his defense has remained incredible. Um, And then you have Fred Van Vliet going 2 of 5. The Surge of Baca three in transition, though. Oh my God. Uh, Off a block. Just, uh,. Serge Ibaka deserves like his own podcast right now, man. What a performance from him. On a night where Gasol was not, again, really finding the flow of the offense because the Raptors weren't really running things through him the same way they typically would... Ibaka was fantastic and like him in conjunction with Lowry in that pick and roll and Ibaka not just popping to the to the 18 foot mid-range area right like it was him diving and really putting strain on the bad defensive bigs that the Warriors had out there or Kevon Looney who credit to him man like out there with like a messed up collarbone and cartilage or whatever the hell is going on with it wearing like a flak jacket he plays 20 minutes but like just wasn't prepared to handle anyone on the roll and I thought the Raptors did a really good job I mean it sounds ruthless but the Raptors did a great job of exploiting the injury of Kevon Looney and just like hammering him over and over again I thought They really just had no mercy there, which I think was a good idea. Like, Obviously, you're glad Looney didn't get hurt or anything like that, but it was a good idea to have Ibaka just continuously just dive and go into the teeth of the defense. There was the one play where they did run a little Kawhi-Ibaka high pick and roll, and it looked like it was a little dicey for a second. It was almost near half court, and Kawhi looked like he was going to turn it over. Sneaks the pass through Draymond and I think Iguodala and gets it to Abaka. Abaka gets it near the nail, he swings it out to the corner for, for Kyle Lowry, and then he starts diving, like, it wasn't, like, Abaka standing still, it was Abaka reading the defense and seeing the soft spot, so he starts to dive, and Lowry hits him, and then it's a dunk, and it's just, like, this offense is so crisp and moving so perfectly right now, and when you have Abaka making smart decisions like that, obviously, Lowry's a genius off the ball, like, Again, there's just so, there's no right way to defend these Raptors right now because you trap Kawhi, he makes the pass, and then boom, you're, you're dealing with a four on three with four dudes who really know what they're doing. You got Danny Green sort of spacing in the corner. It's just like a perfectly set up situation right now. And that's the byproduct of having a lot of geniuses who can all shoot. Like, that's just what it is. It, it's just a really perfectly well constructed team. And uh, I just, I can't get over it, man. <laughs> it was. To paint a picture of the situation last night where I was. So I was at a bar, like, again, as my voice is probably telling you. uh, And it was was a delight. And the scene was just madness, man. Just, like, to see that many people... There were people that I was with who are, like, longtime Raptors fans, like my cousin, who I, like, watched the or, like, hung out with after the Raptors won game six and stayed at his place. Like, he's been a diehard fan as long as I have. And then there were... I have other friends who, like, I went to school with who were never basketball fans. Now one's, like, an enormous, like, diehard Raps fan. Another one, like, jumped on for the playoffs and was just, like, the emotion that he was showing, the emotion he was feeling, it was just... It's so cool. Like anyone who's like bandwagoners aren't a thing. Like get rid of band. Like get the hell out of here, man. Enjoy the thing with as many people as you possibly can. The more people who are enjoying it, the more you're gonna remember and cherish every single moment of it. As opposed to it being sort of this closed off thing where there's like gatekeepers guarding it and being like, yeah, no, you can't root for the. You weren't rooting for them back in 2011. Then uh, sorry, bud, you you can't enjoy this. Like no, screw that, man. Like everyone should be able to enjoy it and. The people I was with last night, like, only, I would say, probably two or three were, like, diehard basketball fans. Yet every single one of us was on our feet, like, flipping the table over during that third quarter when the Raptors turned things around. And it, it was just, it's it, unbelievable. I, I just, I can't express enough how amazing the whole thing is right now. How amazing the the vibe of the city is, the vibe of, like, I'm in Hamilton, and Hamilton's, like, bumping about it. Like, it's everywhere, and it's something that needs to be bottled and just, like... Like it's you're never gonna be able to recapture this. Even if the Raptors come back next year, Kawhi stays and they go on a run. It's never going to be like this one. This is the Blue Jays in twenty fifteen, that sort of singular, unique circumstances coming together, and you're never going to be able to replicate it. Even if they continue to be really, really good from here on out, this year alone is going to be something that is absolutely unmatched, not just in Raptors history, but like NBA history. Like this is an unprecedented turn of events, really, in, in the history of the league. Like a one-year sort of mercenary guy coming in, a team sort of going through a lot of flux after being good for a very long time and just shaking up the whole program. Like, this is not something that happens. And Raptors fans, everyone should just be, like, appreciating every second of this, man, because I, I just, I just it's, it's not going to last forever. It might be over as soon as 72 hours from now. And that's somber in a way, but also just, like, the most possibly rewarding and, uh, and sort of satisfying thing in the world. It's just that this team coming together with all these sort of disparate parts. Someone made a really good point last night on Twitter. I don't know who because a million people tweeted last night and I just couldn't stop reading content. Um, but someone made a really good point last night about how like it's so cool that a lot of these Raptors are just like Western Conference expats who got punked by the Warriors all coming together to like share their knowledge and come together to beat the Warriors with guys from the East like Lowry and, and Van VanVleet and Powell and Siakam, like sort of the the mainstays who were here before, and having those sort of two things combine, you know, this tortured Raptors half and this tortured Western Conference Warriors food half, and it all comes together into one perfect amalgamation and. It's a perfectly constructed team. It <laughs> just really, really is. And they're doing this without OG Ananobi. I really, I feel bad OG hasn't been able to play, but like it, it's the fact that they're doing it without him is even more testament to just how perfectly constructed this roster is. That there's just so much versatility, so many good players that just kind of slide in. It's a, it's a really, it's. I don't know if we've ever seen anything like this before. And it's it, cherish it, man. Cherish it for everything it's worth. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have any other notes on the game. Fred VanVleet, hope he's okay. He got punched in the face pretty hard. Accidental, obviously, on the part of uh, Sean Livingston, but he continues to do a fantastic job on Steph Curry. Just like non-stop in step shirt. I thought it was a good to call again from Nick Nurse at halftime to start Fred in place of Danny Green. I also thought it was a good call to not start Fred at the start of the game because, as we talked about yesterday with Joe Wolf on, like, keeping the sort of rigidity of the starting five is one way Nurse can kind of offset his kookiness elsewhere, right? Like, he can sort of tell his guys, yeah, you're going to get your starts, but hey... I'm going to sort of play it by ear. We'll change things up if we have to. And I thought it was great. Um, and so, yeah, like, great performance from Fred in that spot and continues to be awesome. And I think he'll be okay. He looked pretty uh, happy in his post-game stuff yesterday. And Serge Ibaka, man. Like, I just can't get over Serge Ibaka's game. The amount of times that dude's been doubted. Think about a year for, a year ago, a year and, like, a couple weeks ago. Just, like, how Done. He seemed. He seemed absolutely toast. He was unplayable in the postseason. Aside from a nice stretch in that Game Three against the uh, against the Cavaliers when they made that comeback, he seemed like he was toast. And I just, just, it's a testament to what Nick Nurse has done with him this season, and sort of what Nurse has done to maintain like everyone's sort of engagement having Ibaka, the trust that he's shown in Ibaka, not turning away from him, even in the times where he got sent to the bench because of Marcus coming in or whatever it was. He is just, he has stayed with Ibaka all season long. He's never fallen out of touch with Ibaka. And Ibaka has rewarded that trust time and time again. And anytime it seems like maybe he's teetering and looking like a, a the last year version of Surge, he just comes in and does what he did last night. And like the energy he brings is so, so... Palpable. It's just like, dude, the dude courses energy throughout the entire team when he's doing his thing. And like the blocks, he had two last night, the the transition like chase downs. It's just like, <sighs> Serge Ibaka, what a fantastic series from him. And just everyone is going to have their moment. Every single guy on this team has had their moment. There's the Siakam game one. There's Fred all series long, and every little instance in which he's been amazing. There's the Ibaka game f- four now. There's Kawhi's game four. There's Kyle Lowry's game three. Uh, just everybody across the board has been. Great at one point or another. Marcus Saul had the amazing game one. Danny Green, the amazing game three. Like it, it, it's just across the board. Everybody's chipping in. This is this is a champion. This is how champions are made. It's like every single guy has to do something. There has to be a moment of flourish, something from every single guy throughout the course of a playoff series. You get the norm stuff against the Bucks. Like it just you need it. You need those weird performances. I wrote this in a piece earlier this week, I think, that like stars. They give you the sort of ceiling, like having a Kawhi Leonard gives you the the, the the template to become a champion, but you never ever get to that point if it's not for weird, random, unforeseen performances from dudes on the back back part of your roster, and the Raptors have gotten every single one they've needed at the perfect time, all, all playoffs long, and now they're sitting with one game to win, to win the NBA title, I still can't believe it, I just, I'm I'm floored at how this has all gone down, the Game 4 against the Sixers that turned that series, the Game 7 against the Sixers, the Game 3 against Milwaukee still doesn't make any sense that they won that game. I think Daniel Dale, uh, famous Raptors fan-in-chief, made that point last night. Like, how do they win Game 3 against the Bucks? Like, just the, the different turnarounds. It's been such a—the path of this team through the playoffs has been unprecedented. I've said it before, but, like, it's— <sighs> It's never gonna happen again for anybody. This is like a snowflake of a run. It's unique in its own way, and I uh, I'm just like so moved by it and brought to tears so many times by it. And it just it's not over yet. Game five's on Monday, and look, man, I think the Warriors still obviously are not to be taken as like a team that's gonna lay down. I would imagine they'll come in and play with force in game five and try their best to win but like I have such confidence in this Raptors team to just absorb any punch now and and like Eric Kareen wrote about this for The Athletic like they've been showing people who they are for a long time now they're taking punches and they're taking them and absorbing them and then using like the energy transferred in the punch to make themselves more dangerous and that's That's been the formula for the last round and a half. They're 7-1 and one in their last eight games against the Bucks and the Warriors. It doesn't make any sense, but maybe it does. Maybe that's just what this team's DNA is. Um, I think I'm going to leave it there. I have to broadcast a basketball game in like six hours, and my voice is shot. So uh, I'm going to go have some tea and honey, and uh, I'm going to wrap the podcast there. But I wanted to get one in because how could you not? <laughs> it's... They're one game away from the title, man, and Monday is going to be an absolute madhouse in the city. I'm going to be down there. I can't wait for it, and uh, it's going to be a blast, so thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of the ride. If you're a new listener, just joining the podcast for the playoffs or the finals or whatever it is, thank you as well. There are no nothing disparaging about newcomers or bandwagoners. Bring them all on. Hopefully there are new bandwagoners coming on for Game 5. That's my whole opinion on it. It's awesome. Get the bandwaggers in. Load, load that shit up because the more the merrier for sure. Uh, all right. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Lockdown Raptors. Please subscribe, rate, review iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya as well. Thanks to Grip6 and uh, Hotels.com for sponsoring today's show. And uh, please just enjoy it. Find people to be with. Find the people you love most. Watch this unfold with them. You'll never forget it. It's so rewarding. And hopefully Monday, like Tuesday, should be a day where nobody's going to work. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. This was awesome. And uh, we'll talk to you again probably Sunday or maybe Monday to preview game five. And uh, then maybe we'll be talking about a title and a parade. <laughs> it still doesn't make any sense. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Locked Raptors.